Well, we have a question in here from uh, Brian White Eagle who asks, I want, I want you all to, I'm going to read this as, as written. What's the deal with daytime running headlights? Why don't people turn on their headlights? Is it required by law in the U.S., Canada? Is it uncool to turn on your headlights at dusk or during the day? There's a lot going on in this question. So first of all, I, I, I want to key in on the second sentence. Why don't people turn on their headlights? So I'm going to assume, I mean, I'm no Captain Columbo here, but I feel like maybe what Brian is saying is people should have their lights on, right? Uh, or, or I don't know, maybe he's just being, uh, you know, really kind of going in there with the neutral thing and being like, that would be a great piece of rhetoric is just like, you should always tweak a sentence to make someone assume you're coming from a different bias than you are to get them off their, off their, uh, their footing. And uh, then victory. Because that's what conversation is about. <laughs> I, I, I like how you, you, you assume that most people like listen to a sentence and they're like, I'm here for a structured debate. And <laughs> while the rest of people are like, you know, get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I like this question. But I think the answer to this question, I think, is the most software defined talk answer that we can possibly give. It's like my answer to this is like whatever the defaults of the car are. When I turn on the car oh, and I yeah. back out. Like some cars, like, you know, like depending on what you have, like some cars mm-hmm. will automatically turn on the lights, even in the daylight. Some will have like some kind of running lights. Some of them mm-hmm. won't do anything. So I, it's, during the day, I literally just do whatever the car does by default. And that is yeah. like, and if there's a customization of it, it's literally probably how the dealer or wherever I got the car, it's, I probably just left it set exactly as it was before. I actually give it no thought. I don't. When I see running lights, and then I noted when I got this question, I was driving around a little bit. I was noticed like, yeah, this is kind of inconsistent. Like there are like some cars that always have them on. There's some cars that don't. There's some cars that have running lights. And I have, I actually have no idea why. I have no, I don't know what, <laughs> like I, I couldn't even tell you like what's legal or not legal. So I, I don't know. What's it like in Australia, Matt? Is there? Well, is that, there that's what like I was going to say. Uh, the, the precursor to the defaults lifestyle is the legal <laughs> lifestyle, right? So do they have a law that says you have to have running lights on? Um Australia doesn't, as far as I know, unless I'm breaking the law. Uh, but, you know, bringing the, the expat uh, viewpoint is like things that you might not, you know, you, you kind of have to learn these things. Like if you look around and everyone's doing something like mm. uh, Australia, um, there's no left on red. You know, the equivalent being right on red in the U.S., of course. Um, you just oh, you yeah. don't do it. And, you know, it's it's only if there's a sign that says you can do it. And, and, and as an American, I was just kind of like. Uh, you know, I did it a few times and then, um, you know, uh, my children quickly corrected me. Oh. <laughs> now, is it ever, so is it the opposite? So the default is no left on red and there's a Correct. sign that says, yes. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah. So you sit, you're, you're sitting at an intersection, there's no cars in sight, but you're like, this is oh, like sitting okay. at a red light. Yeah. So it's, Cause I like it because it's 180 degrees in the U S where default is right on red. Unless there's a sign that says no right on right, so it does. Right. There's some symmetry. And not and not I, only is it is it the opposite, you know, of the rule. You're going left instead of right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that would in itself that would I would just like wreck severus. I, I would kill myself. I would. Yeah, they're, I wouldn't they're, go drive, drive in Australia. I don't no, know no, no one does a uh, no one does a right on red around here either, which makes sense after a while because you're like because I'm going to kill some fools on bikes if, if oh, I'm yeah. uh, doing all of this like. So you definitely uh, you just wait. Are there running lights in Amsterdam? Though? What's what's the? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. We we got the night? usual cars here, uh, and uh, yeah, you know, I think I think it's like you're saying. Sometimes the lights are on, sometimes they're not off. I mean, this introduces uh, geographically an, another interesting question. What's the deal with running lights on bikes? 
when do you uh, when do you have them on? Definitely, people don't have them on during the day. There was the the other day; it was very foggy, and some people had them on. Uh, and uh, so, are, so that but was there, there aren't laws about it, though, right? It's just yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, you're I'm, a bike rider. I'm pretty sure you have hit, to. You know. No, no, I, I think I think uh, I, I'd have to go check. It's been a while, but like, I'm pretty sure you ha- need to have your lights on at night. And definitely at night, you need to have the a red light on the back and a white light on the front. Oh, wow. And and so that's there actually is like, I mean, any store you go to, you can buy. They have these cool little like um, they're not clip on. But um, what is that stuff like the silicon kind of I don't know what to call Electric it. tape. Yeah, it's not, but anyways, it's it's like a really ingenious kind of way you can just clamp these little tiny lights on your bike, and so uh, which is also funny. Sometimes you'll go around and uh, you'll see people who are living. I don't know. This wouldn't be the defaults lifestyle. This would just sort of be the pylon lifestyle where they've got like <laughs> they've got like five or six of these lights like strapped onto their bike because like you know a battery died and they just bought a new one. And they just, you know, put another That's one awesome. on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, uh, it's actually quite like, a thing around here. Can't be bothered to <laughs> to remove it. The... Wow, and That's kind of disposable lifestyle. I assume lights on bikes are like universal in ancient or in yeah. Because yeah. here in the US, it's like yeah, not as universal, right? Like you'll find people without lights, and you know, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a different culture, I think. Yeah, and 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 you know the 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 Dutch being. Um, well-coordinated sort of what's the word you know living together with freedom by following a core set of rules like everyone turns them on at night like it's uh they're very very mindful of it it's it's quite nice uh so uh yeah i think i think i follow your your thing brandon where i just more or less do whatever i assume the car is on auto all the time kind of to the point where like I'll be driving around at night every now and then, and if I've done something, it'll take me a while to realize the lights aren't on. Like I just like it doesn't even occur to me. Yeah, especially yeah. if there's like good like street lights. I've done that several times. Yeah. Where you're just My, like it, yeah. it seems. Uh, what do they say? It's like automation. That's like uh, you get if you get too dependent on it. Yeah. I don't know what it is or some st- statement, right? And then you just suddenly you're like can't you can't even turn on the lights anymore. You don't even have time. So yeah, well you know you know what one of those famous Australians said: don't get addicted to water. It's, uh, you know, yep. don't depend on it. <laughs> there, there are no running lights in Mad Max. I'm just saying. <laughs> They're just running flames. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> just cannons going everywhere. <clears throat> so I think, uh, you know, I, I think that's the deal with running lights. I, maybe there are, you know what, I, I want to, I wanna, before we move on, I want to ask, what is the deal with parking lights? Like, those seem like... I don't know why those exist. Like, is it is there a point where you have where you? I don't think you need parking lights. I think is what it comes down to. That's a good question. I don't know that that's going to require more research. I don't know. That's back to the defaults. Like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I assume. I guess it's like yeah, because if you are literally parked and not going to be moving for a while, therefore, I guess that's the point. I guess it becomes like that point is just lights to make sure that people see there's an obstacle in the way. Right. Yeah. My last car, the, the parking lights were broken for years. <laughs> and I, like, you know, I go into the shop and I'd ask the guy, Hey, can you, can you take a look at that? And he's like, I don't know, mate. <laughs> and it'd be like, you know, every time I ask him, it'd be like a hundred dollars. So I just, you know, the warning light was always on and uh, it was fine. 
that's that you, you don't really want your car mechanic when you're asking about replacing a light bulb to be like, mm, I don't know if I can do that. that well, so, no, somewhere there'd be like an electrical somewhere an electrical wire was loose, and he would fix it. Oh, and then like, I see. I see. You know, Thirty minutes later, it would stop working again, and mm. like you know, whatever. Very yeah. honest now. That's what we need. I, I don't know. Sometimes that's kind of actually a well. Good that, that's what happened to like, car, right? Yeah. Why, why pretend? Like, you know, yeah. This Especially car's got to go. Car repairs. Man. It's coming yeah, for like you. It. you know, yeah. You, it, you don't want to pay me that that much money. That's. The, I mean, to make an, to make another reference, that's like a Dutch doctor. Remember when I went and I thought I was having heart problems, and he was like, "Do three squat thrusts, and if you can do that and not die, you're fine." It's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am. He was right. <laughs> Good old Dr. Skateboard. Oh, <laughs> Not dead yet. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't even know if my car has parking lights on it. I'd have to go check and, and see what they are. That, you know, that's something we'll have to do for research is uh, I would really – you know how there's like a cheat sheet of the, uh, the, the care and laundry symbols that are on clothes, and it turns out there's like 30 of them or something? Like I want one of those cheat sheets for like all the car icons because there's the, – like mine, my lights have a wheel – and there's a wheel that has various stages of lights on it, and they're all kind of inscrutable. And, you know, because they're all basically just like three lines coming out like a sun. And so, so you, <laughs> like, maybe you just put some text on there. Like, that That would be cool. This is like that. what you do, like, when, when you're in anything that's like that. You just, like, you just try all the settings until you find one you like. And you're just like, okay, yeah, that's what I'll do. You just like, click, click, click. I don't know. It's good. It is true. Like, all the icons on cars, they especially yeah, the dad. It don't seem well thought out. Maybe they it's, need to move to emojis. You know? uh, yeah, that, may, that would be a good off. idea. And then also, I think now that the EU has finished, uh, you know, we're all going to have USB-C for our phones. The next thing they should move to is all car manufacturers should operate the windshield wipers in the same way. Oh, that the same, same exact controls. Oh, yeah. I could get behind that one. Let me know. Yeah. Let me know when that, uh, that's a lobbying effort I definitely want to get behind. Because that, that is also inscrutable. Well, uh, so that was, that was a, a question we had here for the end of the year, uh, the, the running lights. I think we nailed that one. Uh, uh, whether you got four <laughs> wheels or two wheels, a motor or a uh, you know, meat motor, uh, we got things going there. Now, Brandon, you have put together a series of end of year prompts. And I like this because it's not so much a prediction as what do you think about, right? Now, prediction, always fraught, always weird. And, and, and of course, I'm going to go ahead and do the, uh, the responsible thing, and I'm going to do the annual software-defined talk prediction. Uh, it's going to be pretty much the same as it was last year, just a, a little bit more in, in both directions. Uh, and so that's that's what's going to happen. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Wow, that's that's a bold call. Yeah. Well, yeah. I thought on on the prompts, I'll, I'll start us off here saying, but I thought like if you feel the need to make a prediction at any point, go mm-hmm. right ahead. But I do, as I listen to all the prediction episodes, I think to myself, I'm like, well, I don't know. If you, unless you have like some really strong prediction and you want to put something like some type of wager on it, it's just like, yeah, it's just another topic, right? So so we'll see. I bet you, as we discuss some of this, well, one of you or myself will make some predictions. So I thought we'd get it started, though, uh, thinking about what were the major stories around cloud and the hyperscalers. And so I'll, I'll set it up one. Um, it's kind of close to home for you, Cote. But I thought the probably the biggest thing that happened was the uh, acquisition or the announced acquisition of VMware by Broadcom. And I think, you know, obviously that's important for all the VMware people. <laughs> like Cote and others, but <laughs> yeah. I think the thing that makes it, you know, kind of like the most important story, at least related to cloud this year was the fact that 
none of the other hyperscalers, you know, Google, Oracle, AWS, Azure, anywhere, um, got involved, at least that we know of, right? They didn't make a big pitch. They didn't buy it because what it sets up to me is that VMware will remain, at least the workloads of VMware will remain independent inside of Broadcom. And, you know, the thing that uh, I think I like to make fun of, uh, you know, about like, we're always in the quote unquote early innings. And I was thinking about, well, what is the total addressable market? So I did a little math and says like, well, you know, let's assume all the hyperscalers today have like somewhere between like 150 to $200 billion. And I think the total addressable market for this going forward is basically 1 trillion. So I'm going to say we're between 15 to 20% all the way through in the, with the VMware staying independent, like the, the fight going forward or the battle going forward will be okay between all the hyperscalers and VMware, you know, who can maintain what workloads and who's going to eat up kind of that, um, that 1 trillion, you know, if you will, annual revenue going forward. And I think that'll probably, so you kind of like work at the back of the math, that'll probably take somewhere between seven and 10 years with a 20% growth rate. So most of the clouds are growing faster than that today, but I assume as the numbers get bigger, they'll come down. So that's kind of the battle. I kind of think to myself, of, okay, the next seven to 10 years, the battle is this $1 trillion. It's all going to be fought out. If someone had taken a big um, acquisition of VMware, I'll just throw GCP as an example. Like if they had bought VMware, I'd be like, ooh, that sort of maybe resets the battlefield a little bit. You know, at least yeah. the uh, – um, but since that didn't happen, I think it's going to be, you know, AWS, Azure, GCP, probably something like 50, 30, 20, you know, some kind of like, like that uh, going forward. You know, that at least is probably the revenue numbers that they're thinking. So, uh, so I set the table there. I don't know. Is that uh, Kote? You like that analysis? You agree? Disagree? What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I like I like uh, the numbers based thing. You started with the the NTAM. You did some calculations in there. Very good. That was that was. Uh, I, I think that's the way you got to do this kind of analysis. You know, you just sort of you arrive at a number that feels intuitive, and uh, you know, it's it seems about. Five to twenty percent more accurate than the calc- the uh, sort of reasoning that venture capitalists use. They're, they're putting money somewhere, which which I think I think is uh, a high degree of accuracy. I like that, and you know, it it is. Uh, you're making me think like like obviously I don't I don't have anything to say about my my employer VMware, but like I'm trying to think of like historic analogs of of like the you know cloud companies buying like non-cloudy companies like that or like like what would be not not in the cloud space but like in other areas where like microsoft must have done this here and there where they they purchased absolutely like previous rival now partner companies or or something like that i think the mainframe i think go back and like go back to like ca and bmc and like rolling up all these all this mainframe and all the mips so like back Mm -hmm. in that day they'd be talking about Mm -hmm. mips who's going to own all the mips going forward so I think, you know, you had CA, BMC, and then IBM well, sort of rolled that I, market I think, up. Go ahead. I think there's that. But, but you know, as we see different cloud companies put, like, different properties they own in their umbrella of, you know, cloud, where, you know, Microsoft defines cloud as including, you know, Office 365, uh, where you're like, well, how does that compare to GCP, right? Um, well, I guess Google's got, you know, Google workspaces or whatever, but... Um, this was an opportunity for someone to take a big chunk and add it to their cloud bucket so they could move out of their, you know, 20%, 40%, you know, whatever bracket they want, where they could just kind of nudge that number and make it look much bigger for the year. Um, you know, and, and going forward, include it because, uh, in the software defined talk Slack, there, 
there was a someone posted a graphic of how the different clouds are broken down by their revenues. And you know, mm. inside the uh, inside the uh, Azure one, it included like you know Surface laptops <laughs> and, and you know LinkedIn and and GitHub. And you're like, well, I guess so, right? But that's it, it was you know how did these companies make money? But people slowly forget about the other parts of, you know, what actually constitutes Microsoft versus Amazon. And they're just, you know, they can conflate these things. And so if you wanted to like make yourself look bigger, you grab something that inflates that number, um, even if it's just temporary. But I, I don't think, I think VMware is, you know, temporary on like a, a 10 year horizon. Yeah. And I think that'll be the thing going forward, you know, is, is does VMware and uh, maintain its independence, right. And kind of like, if you will hold a big chunk of that money or at least software licenses going forward, or do people, you know, are they successful? And probably the more likely scenario is like just running VMware in the clouds. That's why I think, you know, if you're Broadcom, I kind of like, I see what they're trying to, trying to do. It's like, Hey, we can be a part of all these clouds and we can run a really profitable business. So that makes sense. But I do think AWS still leads the way. Right. So I think if, you know, if I'm in uh, OP1, OP2 planning for AWS or like I'm Slepsky and thinking about it, I'm thinking to myself like, okay, my goal is to get this to a $500 billion run rate, right? That'll probably take, that's like, if I'm working on that for the next 10 years to be like, okay, I want to own 50% of that $1 trillion market. And that's probably what I go in and I, you know, my pitch, right? And so um, it'll be interesting. Like, I'd, lo- I'd love to see what they think, right? I mean, I wish, you know, I wish they would just come out <laughs> the next AWS reInvent. Like, here's what we're working for. Here's the numbers we're going for. But that to me seems to be because they are the number one. And then it's like, does Microsoft and Google maintain two and three? And then Oracle of late, right? I mean, especially towards these acquisitions and this like focus on solutioning. Um, can Oracle like make a big push, right? And I think, you know, well, the, I mean, one of the things the I just Right? Yeah, yeah. So I was going to say that was the thing I just kind of put on here. It's kind of boring, but that that Cerner acquisition is just like it's just another huge cash cow we never think about and we never talk about much. And it's like, and it's probably not cloud, but it probably is the kind of thing that's going to make Oracle a ton of money, and we just we'll just forget about it. So, so it'll be interesting going forward to see how it how it all plays out. And I think maybe to wrap this topic up a little bit is like you know, I think the Red Hat it's been out for a while, the acquisition by IBM, and it's like. You know, it feels like it's kind of come and gone. Like, it, I don't know. It, it's it's sort of just settled in as part of IBM. I feel like it's it's not bad, but it hasn't, like, reshaped anything. I don't know, Kutche, any thoughts on Red Hat and IBM? You think, well, have I, I missed I, anything? I, I think I think in general, like, I mean, it, it's it's kind of part of the whole thing is like, uh, you know, it, not not much crazy happened <laughs> in, in big cloud. Yeah, like it's it just sort of like uh, and, and, you know, we talk about this every time earning comes out, earnings come out. It's just like, yeah, or at least I do. And just I, I don't know what to say. They made a lot of money like it just uh, it's I, but I, I think I think what's more interesting is, is yeah, the uh, the analysis you were kind of alluding to is like, well, now what it's time to do is make money. Right. Like, yeah, we're, we're sort of like and, you know, obviously things like the AI stuff kind of show that there is interesting new innovations. But it's like, yeah. We've like done all the stuff more or less, right? And so like it's it's innovated, and now like you know what you see is people are uh, well, at least what I see, but like people are interested in like helping develop application developers out more. So hopefully we won't just like get obsessed with infrastructure now that you know like and, and kind of reset that again. So you can go like up the stack and you know mess around with tools and stuff, which I don't think is. I mean, that's it's kind of strategically interesting because that's not really a strength of Amazon or Google. 
no. like doing developer tools, which I wonder yeah, who I might mean... be really strong at developer tools in the category there. And, and so, like, you know, that is an, uh, uh, I can't think of the phrase, but that's an area of competition that Microsoft is just incredibly well positioned to seriously win on. If if you focus primarily on application developers, I'm pretty sure Microsoft is going to do very well, uh, you know, versus the other two. Uh, who both have tools. Well, I don't know. Does Google have developer, like like developer IDEs and things like that? Or is it more... I mean, they, like they, they've got their own cloud desktop thing. They've partnered with IntelliJ. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's... Uh, and, and that's so that, not what that they're is, known. They're, they're known more for like you know the libraries and languages rather than the tools. Uh, yeah. So and, so maybe you know when 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 I, we did a prediction show on one of my on my work podcast, I uh, the the way the way I wangled this Brandon is, is instead of being predictions, I called it predictions and hopes and dreams, <laughs> and because really that's what you learn when you do predictions is basically you just have it be your hopes and dreams. Never mind like the, that. Uh, the prediction thing and. So I think I think in this category, my hope and dream is that we all just finally quit dicking around with infrastructure and like get back to like application. Oh, that is that is the dream, Kote. <laughs> I, I like know it. that's 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 what we need to do there. All right, well that's good. I like it. We'll leave it on that hope. Then let's move beyond infrastructure. Now the other big topic that I think just was like an ongoing and still is an ongoing topic, but is this whole like you know work from home, remote work in the office and things like that. So, and this sort of kind of picks a little bit up on the pandemic is that it seems like the world in most parts of the world are now returning to like pretty, at least normal, uh, the ability to have uh, whatever a quote unquote normal workplace is. So I guess I'd start with um, the question here is, uh, you know, if the pandemic sort of opened up the, the door to like potentially like remote work, I think the economic downturn, not a recession, as I've, as I've learned, just an economic mm. downturn that we're going through oh. as sort of, uh, you know, if you will, it's, it's kind of going to lead to a reset, or at least this is what I, I think is happening, right? Is that like, well, now suddenly it's like, you know, uh, you know, employees have less power, right? I mean, I don't know what else to say other than it's just like, yeah, lots of changes. So it'll be clear that if employers want you back to work, that uh, as an employee, it'll at least be more difficult for you to, to go get a job. So no. I guess maybe we start, start with you, yeah. Matt. Like, uh, what, what, what is, uh, what is your take I, I, on like work from home, remote work? Was it a passing fad because of the pandemic or will there be some type of, uh, the, the, there, there you go. I, I, I think work from home is over just like COVID's over. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I like that. There's a lot. Oh, I mean, mm. I mean, the reality is, uh, you know, for all the all, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I'm very fortunate to have a job where I work from home. But I, I feel like, uh, you know, we're seeing all these stories about layoffs, and you know, oh, come back to the office, or you, you know, we're going to lay you off. But at the same time, you also see all the stories about how people can't hire enough, you know, engineers, and how there's all these jobs, and so there's maybe there's more, we're still settling these things out, right? It, it's, it's um, for folks who want to be in an office, you know, there's definitely going to be employers there for you. And I think if you want to work from home, um, there's still such a, a shortage of, well, talent is unevenly distributed. And so <laughs> if, uh, if working from home is your priority, uh, there are definitely employers who are more than happy to accommodate you and they're hired. I, you know, there was there was a, a story somewhere in the past few days about how, uh, I don't know if it was from Indeed.com or from some job site about how 
while while there were a lot there were layoffs and and a and a percentage point or two reduction in like, like at tech companies for job posts and all other like uh industries like there's still like a huge need for uh, and and uh for for like tech to, technical staff so i think it's just like you know i don't know if this is true but i think the story there is that all these tech companies way overhired when when their share prices yeah. were up and and now they need to get rid of get get rid of now they would like to uh control costs which means getting rid of people uh and uh whereas all the other companies who have been complaining about not being able to find people they they were not they were, uh, you know, to use my joke, it's not that they uh, uh, were uh, wartime CEOs, it's that they were CEOs. And they just, like, already were not overspending on things, and, and it was all fine. So, you know, I mean, I think the, the, I mean, from what I can tell, like, it seems like people don't really want to go back to the office full time. So, I don't know, maybe they won't. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's, it's. It's, it seems pervasive enough that that would be the case. But there was, you know, I, I have been, uh, I feel like all of my podcast listening now is uh, uh, from the Ben Thompson world of podcasting, the, the universe, since he has so many. And he had a good, uh, you know, he worked at WordPress at some time, at some point. And no uh, this topic came up and he had a pretty, as always, not as always, but as frequently a kind of a, a good way of look, uh, analysis of it. And he was saying, you know, WordPress is famously all remote globally. And he said, the main, the the like a critical thing that made that work, or an important thing that makes it work, is all communication was basically asynchronous. And if you're doing synchronous communication, it's really hard to be in a different time zone or even like working at home. Whereas if the expectation is always that not only could that me not only could that meeting have been an email, that meeting is an email. That like you know it only exists like in a chat thing, and you have to write it up, which also fits with being WordPress. Uh, that as long as you have that kind of like asynchronous communication, it actually works pretty well. And I think, you know, I, I think what, what he's getting to there is that there is, there's a lot of friction of working from home because it becomes kind of an async, it becomes more of asynchronous work where you, either that or you just like on meetings all day, which seems stupid. So it's just like, I think that's the thing is you have to figure out like a slightly different way of of working. But even on the company side, it seems like the potential savings you have are like so vast that it's fine. And then plus, you know, my, my thing is always like, I think people probably work more than they actually need to. Like, and, and so like, if you find yourself like doing a bunch of like wasted work, then I, I think most of that happens when you're in the office, just like messing around, waiting on things, having a meeting. Like if you have this notion that, you know, people need to look busy or something, then they should just get paid the same exact amount, if not more, and do less work. That that is my my platform. I like it. I like. It. I can get by. Well, I'm, I'm gonna steal maybe uh, your thing. So my hope here at Cote, I'm gonna say this is like mm. my hope in 2023 is that this kind of gets worked out. Like you know, so we can stop having this discussion of like is remote work better than in person and vice versa. And I think the part that I do think will happen is that regardless if it's like industry wide, if it's good or bad, if there's some like you know official ruling. Is like everyone probably knows, like this past year probably has revealed about your company. Is it a company that supports remote work or doesn't? Like, you know, now, like if you're at a company that has tried to spend the last six months trying to get you to come back, you know, like, you know, that's not a, a remote first company versus like what you were just saying uh, about WordPress, right? It's like that's a remote company, right? And can't, you know, can't be um, hardcore. 
Yeah, I was gonna say, and like, obviously, the three of us work at companies that are you know remote friendly. At least for the three of us, like it's it's yeah. never been an issue. Like it is isn't an issue because I've been in a place, um, you know. And so maybe maybe in the end, the hope is like self selection just happens, right? And it's like uh, okay. And unfortunately, I think there is a little bit unfortunate. It's like it's unfortunate it has to like be coupled with economic downturn. But like sometimes that's that's what reveals. Like you kind of know now. Yeah. Like you know if well, you're that- gonna go work at this company that. They want you things, in the office. Things don't shake out in like, you know, standard, you know, normal day to days. It's, you know, when there's some sort of event to, to force the action. Yeah. yeah. And and also, you know, uh, I, I haven't really like worked in an office since 2011. And then before that for a long time, except when I, when I was at Dell. And so I don't even know what I would do in an office. Like, <laughs> like when, 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 it, when I have gone into an office, the first thing I do is run away from everyone else and get isolated not in yeah, the COVID sense, hit, but just like, hit up the snack bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I, and I like I, I try to like avoid like getting entangled with with too many people because I'll just spend the whole time. I mean, that's not exactly an accurate characterization because when I'm traveling and I go to remote offices, I I try to talk with people since I don't right. see them very much. But but like I I don't really. And then also in the role that I have, like I don't know what I would do in the office. Like I wouldn't have any coworkers. So however, like thinking about it. I mean, I think the main struggle is like time zones, basically. And if you don't have, you know, if you can't maximize on that asynchronous communication, like, you know, if I want to talk to someone in California, someone's going to be getting up at like 7 a.m. or I'm going to not have dinner. Like, it's just like, it doesn't really, it's worse for you, Matt, but like things are just like, like crazy, right? And so time zones is like almost the more difficult problem, I think, for like office workers than like working from home stuff. Cause really like, you know, we, I, I still, and again, I'm struggling cause I haven't worked in an office for a long time. I just, I just don't really know what people do in an office than what's well, different than like just being on a zoom call or sending and, an and email I, to I don't, someone. I don't know if it's a function of working at a all remote company, but you know, we had a, an in-person, you know, um, get together, you know, everyone came and, and, you know, we worked together for a week and, and did stuff. And there were not, not just myself, but like, you know, a fair number of folks were like, I'm going to go have some quiet time in my hotel room. Uh (laughs) You know, it was like too much socialization. And I don't know if it's because we were like chose to be remote people. Uh, But there were a fair number of folks who were just like, I need I need, this is just too much people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I do think though, you know, I'm going back to uh, the future. The other part I thing I hope is that the conversation can move between remote work and in-person work and it can move back to like, okay, well, there does seem to be this divide between, let am just call it the workers wanting to be, you know, remote and management wanting uh, to be in the office. And if someone could go to the next level, like, well, why is that? Like, go one step deeper. Like, what are we asking the remote workers to do? Why do they not want to be in the office? Especially if you, the manager, feel like it's really productive. And I think if people analyzed, wow, the task and the jobs are very different and the motivations are very different, maybe that would start to like, if you will, uncover the real problem. Like maybe if the remote workers had different uh, responsibilities or different metrics or different uh, goals, maybe that would lead to a place where they want, you know, that they want to be in the office more or vice versa. Or like maybe there's things about you can make the management team more comfortable being remote if these things were being done. And I just think that's a conversation that people just keep talking, you know, talking past it. And I think to Mm -hmm. steal a a metaphor, you've been talking a lot about this whole year, Cote, you know, you talk about developer toll 
toil, right? Um, I just think of it as like knowledge worker toil, right? Like what are all the things that people are asked to do, all the emails, all the things that are – that you're getting. And we'll, like, maybe we'll just pick on Twitter for a second as a good example. Like, I don't think any technology professional wants to go in the office and on the spur of the moment, be told they want to print out their source code to walk into a review to show what they did or did not do that they don't have any context for. They don't, they don't have any relationship with the manager that's reviewing it. They're not sure if it's a performance review or it's seeking information, right? Like if you just think about that as a really extreme example and I think I'll let everybody invite, I'll let everyone think about themselves and their, their career. Like, have you ever gotten an email, you know, uh, out of the blue for something that kind of made you feel like, huh, like a little bit uncomfortable. I didn't want to do it. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the thing that I think people don't think about, right? It's like, now it's much different if you're the person sending the email or asking it, right? Because you know, you have all the context. Like if I ask you to come into my office, like I know why you're coming in. I know why I'm, I'm the one driving the conversation. I'm very relaxed, right? Where, whereas you, like that could be a very, a source of stress, right? Or at least a source of like, I wish I wasn't here, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but again, like if you point some of the stuff out, it's like, you know, a lot of times management teams, like, well, that's why we pay you. You know, you're going to get a lot. You, yeah. you, you open yourself to a lot of negative uh, comments. Like you're not, I, you're not I, a I, player. You're, yeah. why do we pay you? This is what the job is. And it's like, okay, well then I may silently th- see, think to myself, man, I wish, I wish I could do this from the house. Sorry, Kote, go ahead. No, no, I, I, li- I like where you're going with that is, is, is a, a problem of being in the office is you get a bunch of ad hoc ideas and work. And that, that like, maybe like, Maybe we should sit on that for like, you know, eight to 24 hours and see if it was a good idea or not. Right. Like it's, it's, you know, there, there's, there's one theory of, uh, idea tracking that is like one, on one side, it'd be like, you always got to have some paper and write down everything that you're thinking. And then the other, another, the other end of that is like, well, if it was a good idea, you'll remember it. And, and like, you know, (laughs) and both of those have their flaws, uh, especially the second one, but like, yeah, you know, as you're going over that, I was thinking about, especially when, I, when I've been in the office, I, I don't know if this is a problem I have. Probably why what got me, uh, makes me uh, be able to be in podcasting is like, yeah, you just spend a lot of time talking like for hours and hours about shit that doesn't matter because it seems like a good idea at the time. And then the worst situation is that like, you know, like if you're in a strategy role like I was, you, if you start talking with someone, next thing you know, you're writing like a five-page memo and it's 11 p.m. at night that you got to email to someone, right? <laughs> well, so, so, like, so that's that's the big reveal for 2022 is now chat GPT will do it for you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, well, take it. That's perfect then. All right, so let's transition here. Well, uh, I wrote down a bunch of just basically technology kinds of things. And I, I feel we play a little game of like buy or sell. Like, are you uh, mm. buying this technology because you believe it's, it's going up it's, it, or are you selling it? Cause it's maybe on the, on the way down. So uh, there's a bunch in here and we can throw them out, but I'll start with uh, one that, you know, uh, serverless, right? So like, I feel like serverless in 2021 was like the next big thing. And I feel like 2022 was like, yeah, it's nice. It's a nice integration technology, but not really, going to uh, change the world. We're not moving <laughs> to this event-based architecture where everyone's just calling a serverless function anytime soon. So so I'm selling serverless. Uh, Matt, what are you doing with serverless? <laughs> the guy who no longer works at a serverless company says hold. Um, <laughs> well, all right. I guess I think I am long-term bullish. Uh, I think, I think um, more and more will continue. It, it's the destination. Um, I think in the, in the, 
you know, just as uh, Jassy used to say, in the fullness of time, uh, everything's going to the cloud. <laughs> I say in the okay. fullness of time, everything's going serverless. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. All right. I don't I don't know if that's buy or sell, but I guess we'll. we'll, we'll I said it's it. hold. Hold. It's okay, hold. hold. All right. Kote, do you, have, do you have an opinion? Are you buying or are you selling serverless or holding? I guess is the, the game now. No, no. I think I think I would definitely sell if I had ever bought in the first place. <laughs> I th- I think I think you know, I I think I think there was a good idea of like a whole lifestyle of programming that existed there. And sometimes it's something maybe, but I feel like or you know, you're just calling some API on the internet like whatever. Like don't make a big deal about it. It's just like <laughs> Well, that's it, what I'm saying and and you know, Instead of holding all that code in your own VMs or containers, eventually it's just going to be, I'm calling that off of an API or, you know, sure. and then it's just yeah. going to end up glued together. And well, I do like it. You're this not going like to think a- of it as serverless. It's just like, huh, all I have is a little bit of glue connecting. I mean, I mean, it's the, uh, th- this is, this is, I think, I think another way of putting it is we, uh, we, uh, I think serverless perhaps is emerging out of the trough of disillusionment. And uh-huh. going into the plateau of productivity. Okay, fair enough. We could say plateau of productivity. Okay, that's good. I like. But, it. but so I, I, I also think that to call it serverless, and I'm not, I'm not going to make the joke, but it's just sort of like, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's, you remotely call something. But I get, I guess there is. That said, there is something too. Well, you do have a control system that like is listening there for you to call it, and then loads everything up for you or whatever. Like that's something. Uh, that's interesting. Just less and less machines in the future. That's all. I like I'm it. Yeah. The gamers buy, buy or sell, and we've got two holds. I love it. Good job, team. This is that's the <laughs> all right, moving on. Next one. But but the, but the, I mean, doesn't that make like like word, word isn't WordPress serverless then? Yeah, like, because it just sits there. Right, but so then, that's it, what I'm then saying. it has no. Like, but th- then this is why I'm selling. It's like, but then it's just back to like, okay, you're just back to. But like but, but you're, you're not back to what you had before. Like this is all. But the what same. I'm saying is, you're not going to run. You're not going to run your own WordPress container. Or, or yeah. VM. That's what yeah. I'm at. I, okay. I'm, I'm saying okay. at the fullness, you know, eventually you're going to be like, like why in the am fullness I of time. This? That's always why a great way to answer these questions in the fullness of time, right? A thousand monkeys. No, no, no. In it's the fullness always, of time, uh... I, I can I can go the other direction on other technologies, right? All right. Serverless. We've killed that one. All right. Blockchain. I'm going to throw this out. I'll start. Blockchain. So I, I'm totally selling blockchain. Like, I think you still you know, have that, some. I, I was just going to say, uh, there you go. No, I feel like we wait, wait, you even bought it. <laughs> I don't think uh, anyone, but I guess it's the whole, I would say this It's like uh, blockchain has lived on the, uh, the FOMO, the fear of missing out. Like it's going to solve this problem and we all need to know about it. And we all need to like understand about this, uh, distributed trust and the uh, interesting way to solve this problem. And it's like, I feel like at this point we, it's like, there is no more FOMO. Like we'll see it come. Like we won't miss out. If something breaks out on the blockchain, if there's some new problem mm-hmm. that could never be solved, uh, uh, before it could only use the blockchain, like we'll notice it. And it's, and until then it's like, there's, there's just no more need. To so talk so about you're it. saying it's in the trough of disillusionment, but it's I don't even back. think it like, I just think it's sort of what goes <laughs> on the shelf of like, um, no, no, I'm, I'm just, I know. But I, it, I think, I think, I think it fell down the chasm of nonsense. I yeah. Think that's, I mean, that's what well, I was putting out like maybe like it wasn't like in the 1960s where a lot of artificial intelligence algorithms like were first like invented and then it took a long time before computing power and there's enough data and I, I just feel like that's kind of what this or maybe you could say like um, networking and email was invented in like the 70s but really wasn't until the 90s till it came into yeah. so it's like I don't know maybe in 20 at some point it's cool that we know about this it's like All on right. the bookshelf of computer algorithms but it's like uh it's like we don't need it we no one can okay, find any so way to really use it so let's we're, we're just gonna move we're on. gonna put a pin in it and revisit it in 20 years is what you're saying yeah we'll put it on like that will be 
in uh, what year? So that'd be 2042. We'll come back and we'll see if anything has happened. Uh, yeah. All right. So I, I, I know either one of you, like uh, Coach, you have thoughts on the blockchain? Are you buying? Well, well, obviously it would be it would be selling. I mean, I th- I think I think what we've learned and and what we should is that you can't really like. And this isn't even to the to the to the crypto part, but just the whole notion of like like you can't decentralize trust. That's silly, right? Like eventually you need to have like one central place that is just the trusted source of record. And so like this idea of like distributing it around and doing like fancy math to do stuff. But and and because then it's just sort of like, yeah, but now we just have a database and let's just run the database. Because I mean I like there was all those like, you know, uh, helping farmers out and supply chain stuff and all these things. But then it kind of is like, yeah, or just, you know, run it in a database like that. That seems like that would be better than, <laughs> than doing this. So it's uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm suspicious of like we're going to like remove the need for a central authority that we trust in that probably also just runs the stuff for us. Like it doesn't really, I don't really kind of to your point, I don't really see what you're getting that you can't just do with like a database. I like it. Matt buying, selling what, any more thoughts on blockchain? I never bought it. I read through it and, and I, you know, man. So I, I, I disagree that there are, there are some cases where you do need distributed trust, but I have yet to see a business case that holds any water that you need the database part too. Right. So, so, so Matt, yeah, you're, yeah. you're holding in the fullness of time. No, 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 no. no. I, I, like, <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I, I like, there are, there are a few small places where like some crypto esque things make sense temporarily but it's not going to replace anything all right all right well that leads us to crypto i just i i kind of broke them out just in case people had different opinions so crypto i actually feel like this ftx implosion is just a great like uh capstone oh, it's the cherry on, the, on top yeah it's just like sort of like a great milestone capstone whatever of like okay crypto it's like okay we all know about it it's a game of speculation again we can kind of put that on the shelf and be like this digital currency stuff not ready Whatever it is, not ready. I don't, I, you know, we've, everyone's tried all these different use cases, store of value, have it actually be mm-hmm. a currency, uh, trading. And it's like, it seems like it's good for money laundering. People have agreed to that. And like, it has been agree. great. I mean, and that seems like a good use case. Uh, other than that, though, I feel like it's just like, yeah, we don't need to keep talking about crypto anymore. And it's like, yeah, a lot of people, unfortunately, I feel sad for like people that you like put your real money in it and you lost yeah, it. Yeah, it's a FTX. digital Ponzi. That's, I mean, yeah. Other than that, though, it's like, yeah, I, I feel like we can just we've seen enough. We 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 don't need to. Again, it's back to like the FOMO. It's like if crypto suddenly breaks out, we will all see this coming. I don't think it's anything is going to happen anytime soon. So I'm ready to kind of retire that topic. I don't Kote. You're a crypto yeah, millionaire. I, what are your I, thoughts? I, I think I think uh, one. I've only realized recently that crypto just means like digital currencies. So that's exciting. But I think. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's just sort of like, uh, hopefully we're not shocked every single time some gigantic crypto company turns out to be like just a fraud or like melts down or something. It's just like, oh. I, I, I'm more I'm more shocked when I see somebody trying to lean into it still. Right, right, right. I, I mean, I mean, I feel like I, you know, as, as is well covered, uh, I have a philosophy degree and a minor in English, so I don't really know economics, but I feel like all of us who at least made it through the fourth grade sort of know that like, 
So, when it comes to money, which would you rather have? Highly regulated? Not regulated. Highly regulated? <laughs> not regulated. And I, and I think they don't let you into fifth grade unless you answer that question correctly. <laughs> and, and unless so you like, show up, unless like you show up the, with a real fiat so, dollar, American like, like, dollar. Uh-huh. And even, even when like at, over on Tyler Cohen's blog, he, like had, he promoted up some comment that showed that uh, you, know, you can use crypto stuff in countries that uh, don't have well re- like great regulated uh, money supplies because it can be a better store of value than whatever they're using, right? Which is yeah. – to use the to use the uh, the programmer's gamut, which is always annoyingly like you don't have the problem you think you have or whatever. It's just like yeah, well, maybe fix the economy there instead of introducing <laughs> this other thing, right? Like it's sort of like you remember that story of like they uh, there was some town. I don't know if this is made up or not, but there was some town that was overrun with little monkeys. So they had the great idea to bring in the bigger monkeys, Uh-oh. and then I think the news coverage was like. <laughs> Bring in the big monkeys to get rid of the little monkeys. What could go wrong? And so I think it just it just seems like I don't I don't like I mean, I feel like when it comes to like our generation has learned this, especially like uh, when it comes to like money and your financial sector, you want to regulate the shit out of it because they're always going to be fighting you to unregulate it. Right. And so like. Whatever it is you can do to like try to pile on regulations, you're going to be like 30% successful. So you've got to like pile on 500% effort just to get. I can't do well, the math there very well. Yeah, but, it just, but I mean, the, it the, just, the point is like so many of like the best and brightest are trying to undermine the law. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and, and then that, that's, that's the hopelessly. Uh, Everybody know, wants something for nothing. Right. That, that's that's the the ridiculous like you know uh, what would be the way to put this like you know optimistic about humanity thing to put this is like if if all those people would just take their efforts and just like fix the way money works then it would be fine right like <laughs> for example like I mean if you just had like uh, frictionless like near zero zero fee like international transfers done like. If if you're worried about like storing value, you just would like transfer it to like you know whatever a stable currency was, which is going to be hella more stable than some funny name shit like in crypto, right? And so like okay. like anyways, that seems like the main problem that you. I have. think we got it. I think we crypto. I think uh, we can officially. So so Cote uh, so by ourselves. That. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I think we could sell. All right. Well, maybe not related, but I, it's it's I don't know. It feels like a related topic. So. I've just put Twitter on here. It's not really a technology or anything. It's just, I don't know. Ooh. It's like, so I've said multiple times, and like, well, you know, I'm, I usually vote in favor of the status quo. The status quo bias is so strong that I feel like it usually wins over everything. And I, that's kind of been my position on this Twitter stuff. It's like, well, mm. it's going crazy, but the status quo is everyone will stay it. But I don't know. I feel like Elon Musk has taken us like he's taken it to a new level. I've never like he just seems to just up the ante every day. I guess now recently he's uh, kicking off journalists and and things like that. So it kind of does open the door. Like if the entire news media either gets kicked off Twitter, right, or decides that like they're going to leave and go do something different, like maybe that actually does open the door for like Mastodon or something new to happen. Um, so it's, I don't know if it's like a buy or sell question. It's just like, I guess I would just say this is like, I, um, maybe Elon Musk is the first to, yeah, I think resolution to the question is coming faster than, than you probably thought a week ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, all the stories about, about, you know, Tesla stock dropping two thirds this year 
ever since the Twitter announcement and it keeps dropping and it keeps hemorrhaging. And, you know, it's like, that's where his wealth is. Twitter was like his, his play money. And, you know, like everything that made Elon Musk is like wrapped up in Tesla and it's, that's hemorrhaging money. And, you know, he's still kind of controls the board over there, but um, the big money, like the Black Rocks and the like are, are getting mad. And, you know, so at some point he has to cut bait on this Twitter thing or does he go all in on being, you know, the edge Lord of Twitter and, you know, nobody wants that either. Yeah. I don't know. So I guess maybe I'll, uh, say, maybe I'll set, frame the question this way. Is like, so my own take has been, uh, the status quo went out and like, I guess I'm going to sell on my own take. It's like, I don't know, man. I feel like a whole nother year. Like exactly. it doesn't feel like, it just feels like he, uh, the status quo, like it'll be hard to maintain the status quo just because I think Elon Musk is like so destabilizing about it. So probably yeah. something, and I don't know what, you know, I hope, I hope it leads to something better. You know, I guess back to like Cote's, you know, like hope, like, I don't know either like, uh, a, you know, somehow Twitter gets taken, a new owner takes it over or like it leads to like I, something I, I can't, just in yeah. generally, like there's a thing that emerges that we all think is better. So that's my hope. Cote, what is I, your thoughts on Twitter? Well, it's it's confusing because I feel like it, it was supposed to go down a month ago and it didn't. And <laughs> right. so like 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 there's this continuous cycle of like and I mean I mean you know obviously there's like the 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 moral ethical thing but there's this continual like you know not even like uh like like watching Rome burn but it's just like people keep like you know getting ready for Rome to burn and talking about how it's going to burn and then like things don't happen. And so, like, in that respect, it is odd, right? Uh, however, it hasn't been that long. And, and so, like, I guess, I guess you have to think about it in terms of quarters because that's probably when there's significant, like, um, like bank loan things you've got to deal with like, as opposed to week to week or month to month. And so, yeah, like, I don't – it doesn't seem like, from what I can tell, that the uh, – uh, that Twitter is creating the kind of environment that advertisers would want to advertise on, which is sort of a problem. And then the other issue is just like, uh, it's hard to know like what value Twitter really gets you in the first place. Like, you know, I often think, especially nowadays, like I, why, why don't I just like not use Twitter and, but then nothing good or bad happens. It's just kind of neutral. And so it's, it's uh, like, you know, and then I, I, I upload a lot of videos there, but if you go do the analysis, it's just like people watch like five seconds of it. <laughs> yeah. So no one's like, there. No one's watching. Like, like right? I, I, I feel like there was a point, especially in my career, whatever the point was where Twitter was incredibly important for my career and me making money and blah, blah, blah. But at this point, I don't really even know. I mean, if I wasn't, didn't do anything on there, I don't think anything would happen. Right. And, and, and part of that is because like, I, you know, I do use the old Mastodon thing and it is like all of, I'm putting this in air quotes, but I think most all of the tech people are over in Mastodon. You know, who's like not over there are like the managers, like the managerial <laughs> class of tech, like, like the people who are over there are all the like individual contributors and maybe team leads and all the like. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to, like, it's sort of like left-wing tech is, is, is over in Mastodon. It's probably also, you know, from people that I follow, but like, exactly, it doesn't have like, 
most of the people that I still am interested in seeing what they're doing that are still in Twitter are like the managers and and executives and normal types. But uh, but even 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 some of them are like I mean not that you know they're left wing right wing kind of things but like uh, no, 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 no. CTO advisor he made the jump right yeah, and yeah, to yeah. me there's and, like and, nobody more in what you're talking about than and that, I, and right? I I think I think there I mean obviously uh you can guess that I closely watch on an hourly basis how you know how many followers and notifications I have because that's the kind of person I am but I th- I think it, it, there's two curious things that have been happening one I think in the past week there's been like a lot of people following me in Mastodon. You know, there was a dead period there for a while. But then also curiously, I've been getting more followers on Twitter than than like has happened in a long time. So I don't know what's up with that. But like it is. But uh, are they human? I, I, I have no idea. I, I don't really analyze the Mastodon people either. They could be robots for as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. It's but a lot like, harder over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's... I, I, it's, it's, it's impossible to say, right? Because I think what I can't, what's hard for me to quantify, and it's, it's hard to think about this is like, so like how morally repugnant is too morally repugnant? Cause, cause like a lot of the, the like stuff that, that our circle of friends would, would cite as immoral. Like, it's not that that's coming to Twitter. It's that it's coming back to Twitter. Like it was there for a long, long time during arguably the height of of Twitter times. It still exists in all the other social media. So it's like systems like this can exist with a bunch of bullshit in them and like, you know, disgusting stuff. So how far does one have to go? And I think think the distinction is that maybe those other networks – are worth advertisers doing like deals with the devil or whatever with because there's enough eyeballs there. Whereas like at some point it's not really worth your time and worth the risk to be in Twitter because you don't really get anything from it. Kind kind of like like I was going over like <clears throat> like you know I don't know about you Brandon but you know Matt and I at some point being external facing we're going to be in some situation potentially where someone's going to be like oh you're still in Twitter you can't come to our conference or some shit like that like <laughs> like. <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's, I don't think that's happening for yeah, a while. I doubt but... that. I just think, I, I, you know, kind of going back to the original thing is like, I just, you know, like a, maybe just repeating what I said before, I just think it, it will be, I doubt like the status quo exists for a year. I don't know exactly what's mm. going to happen. Like, I can't tell you what. I hope something good happens, but it's equally possible. Well, it goes I mean, down, I, so. I, I think this is hopefully, fingers crossed, hopefully it's setting up like, um, like Uber, where, you know, the, the problematic CEO exits. The you know the janitor CEO comes in wartime CEO you know whatever that the, the the regular sane CEO takes over and slowly tries to right the ship yeah and people kind of stop talking about it and you know it continues yeah, to hemorrhage neutral, money right? quietly yeah no I agree that would be that would be kind of like you know Elon Musk putting in somebody just we said to to maintain it and it becomes like a a status quo experience but I just I don't know um I up until cur- maybe up, current, up until yeah. this week I've been like that's what's gonna happen now I'm like I don't know so we will see yeah. we will see that'll be a fun one for us I, to I think I think every everyone's everyone's uh the good fantasy is that old uh Matt Mullenweg buys it and continues <laughs> to build his uh his island of late 2000s misfit toys and uh, and he buys it for a dollar yeah, be great. <laughs> but and I think I think you've stumbled upon uh, a great new phrase Matt Ray which is janitor CEO 
I like think it. I think in, instead of wartime CEO, what it actually should have been called was janitor CEO. Just <laughs> come in and paint all the rocks white. And hey, we're we're up. big on sanitation in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll do one more on the buy sell, then we'll move on. I, I think this is oh, wait, a, wait, wait, wait. This is a so layup for you, Matt. We're all selling. Yeah, I th- I, well, I, 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 I think next yeah. year it will uh, be something. Yeah, something big sense. will happen. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we'll, uh, Matt. This is kind of a layup for you, but I thought it was good because I, you know, did some uh, recent interview with uh, Prophecy Labs, and uh, I thought it's kind of married up to this other topic that came up this year that I hated. So there was the whole cloud repeat repatriation still can't say it correctly that was i think that came out with the a16 blog that was all a bunch of nonsense right so i am 100 percent selling that it's like this is some big new thing everyone's moving back from the cloud um but i'm buying uh managing cloud costs because which oh, i think yeah. is the real problem right that's what people really need to do both in the world i'm in right where uh, before you do your migration like think about what it's going to cost and then uh, as uh, matt can tell you and uh, some of our previous sponsors can tell you it's like once you're there in the cloud you, you do need to keep uh, man- managing your costs and see what you're spending and do things to keep the cost down so i'm buying that as a much more finops whatever you want to call it um, oh, yeah. that needs to become a discipline that's uh it's well on the way up on the Gardner hype cycle. That's what everyone should be doing. And uh, please no one send or write any blogs about uh, moving back from the cloud. I don't want to read it. I was going to say, because uh, it makes me angry. Makes I was going to say, I, I, went, I went on a little rant there about crypto stuff. Would you like to go on a little rant about cloud repatriation? No, I think I've said, I think there I think are many episodes. We'll have to find it. I can, you can go back and hear it. I think I did it on a couple of different podcasts. Too, mm-hmm. So there's, there's mm-hmm. plenty of um, uh, me ranting. So, so Matt, I assume I, if you're not uh, buying a managing cloud costs, you're in serious trouble with your employer. <laughs> but go ahead, Matt. What are your thoughts? Uh, it is my day job. Um, I, I, I think that um, managing costs makes a lot more sense than repatriation. Um, in the long, yeah, in the fullness of time, I'm I'm with Jassy. Everything's going to the cloud, and, uh, <laughs> and 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 the point is like, there's still so much room for optimization that uh, you know, rather than like try to re-architect your world back on prem, um, fix what you have. You know, move into the cloud, um, lift and shift, and then start optimizing. But it, it's so much it's so easy to make lots of incremental improvements in your cloud consumption, whether, you know, it's changing the sorts of instances, switching to SASs, you know, whatever it is. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's just, there's so it's, it's such low hanging fruit that, you know, if, if you have any sort of cloud spin, you need a FinOps team who can start saving you money. All right. Call Matt Ray. He'll help you. Matt, uh, Kote, are you buying? I mean, actually, Kote, take the other position. Sell, sell on it just to make Matt angry that you don't oh. believe in it. Just to be like, you know, you should just be like, no, put everything in VMware. Run up the bill as much as you want. What are your thoughts, Kote? But well, VMware's for, in the cloud. Well, for, first of all, that was a great EVC Matt just said there. A little micro <laughs> EVC. I liked it. But uh, no, I I agree with him. Like I think uh, I I think I and I and I think I think what you two pulled together here uh, to 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 bring some sort of like principle thing out is like you should probably it's probably a good idea to like guide most of your uh you know transformation decision stuff based on like cost which is but then the issue which which uh hopefully Matt and his friends are working on this is like well how do you figure out what it costs like that seems to be like a big mystery of like tracking that down and putting in the work to do it so like 
just being able to gather knowing how much something costs or would cost or be able to estimate it like could probably uh solve a lot of uh lengthy discussions about things and um so yeah, that 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 seems fine. You got you got to right. focus well, that's on. Good. That's good. We ended on a pot. I like it. We did uh well at least I did. I did like four sells and one buy. So that's good. I feel like yeah, ending on a positive thing. Now, uh now, now in- uh, how, how about also looking forward. Here's something I think would be fun to hear from Matt Ray uh over the next year is <clears throat> I mean, we all used to work at BMC Software, so that we we know that people have always aspired to have cost controls and uh make decisions based on costs. So it would be great to hear as you encounter these people who have had these things for a long time, like, why aren't they doing it? Like, like what's up with the, the old systems or do they do it right? Like do people evolve like the, 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 the it accounting stuff they have, how does it work? Like it's uh you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be on kind of the Vanguard. I mean, I work for a Kubernetes cost management. So sure, sure. You know, we're not exactly like, you know, Oh, you know, how's the three ninety doing in the cloud? It's uh you know, it, it's uh, definitely definitely the more progressive uh, end of the uh, infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, it'd still be nice to get a view into what's going on there. Because oh yeah, yeah. You, you I mean, we, we definitely see plenty people. of we definitely see plenty of folks who say like the previous generation of tools just don't cut it. Whether yeah, it's you yeah. know the cloud cost tools or you know their sorts of infrastructure that they're moving. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't see people backing off of uh you know kubernetes you know so that's that's a data point all right all right matt well you have to do you have uh you report in next year and well that'll determine your review whether or not well, i hope i'm still a, here yeah if you give us a good update we'll we'll, we'll uh, keep you on so all right so that's a little bit buy and sell and i thought maybe you know we'd, we'd spend a few minutes here as we kind of close out um kind of what are we watching for this year and so i don't know these are just maybe topics things i'm interested in trying to learn about trying to see what's going to happen so i'll fire them out there and you guys we can talk about any one of them, or you can throw out your own. One is uh, all this WASM WebAssembly. I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of it. It looks really cool. I, I'm always kind of, you know, I'm along. I guess I got into technology, at least professionally, around uh, Java, right once, uh, run anywhere. Like, I'm always down for that. I'm like, I just like, I return to that every time someone says it. And it feels like, you know, WASM has a little bit of that, but then I've been burned by this so many times, it's it, maybe the whole thing just uh, goes away. So I'm watching that one. And then uh, from a company standpoint, uh, Cloudflare is like, I think, a really interesting company. Like, I think they are uh, on the fringe, you know, they're not sort of an AWS or a GCP or Azure. So I'm just interested to see what they do. And I thought this year, I thought their whole AWS uh, egress blog about, network traffic and how much it costs was excellent that was probably one of the best pieces of content i saw Mm. certainly from a vendor this year because it really brought to light a whole bunch of issues uh and then finally i put on here snowflake i'm just perpetually like huh snowflake it seems like it's making a ton of money it also feels like in a really competitive space so i don't know what's going to happen with that one so those are the three i'm watching kote you have things you're watching or you want to comment on one of those well you know i i'm always curious about the uh like M and A stuff, like like how how that that pans out. Because like so, for example, uh, and and always of like kind of second tier things like the following that like I don't think about till I see a headline. Like you know uh, what is it, Coupa or whatever had a huge like multi multi billion dollar like uh, uh, buyout from Tomo Bravo or however you say their their name, and like I've used the Coupa system before like for procurement stuff and like i didn't enjoy it 
and and so like there, there's there's like all these like systems out there that are obviously worth like you know tens if not you know twenties of billions of dollars. I don't what's twenties? Well, you know, a lot of money, and it's sort of like. <laughs> They're scurrying around there like, you know, uh, there, there's Citrix out there and all these other things. And so, like, I'm always, I'm always really interested to see what yeah. happens with them. And so, like, it seems like it's kind of like one of those – I haven't actually thought about this. Let me, let me take a feel of the, temp, the vibe here. This seems like one of those years where it's sort of like things are sort of in a doldrum, so people who have money go out and buy stuff. Now, the yeah, only... so private equity. I think you could yeah, say yeah. That, that's something to watch because you're right, economic and, downturn. And I guess yeah. the, the mm-hmm. only issue there will be like if, if like antitrust regulators like, you know, don't like that, which yeah. I, I think uh, they're always inventing new ways to not like things. Well, I like that though. I I do like watching. This is a year, like definitely watching private equity who gets bought. Because I didn't, I kind of deleted them off with too many topics, but like a bunch of stuff got bought, like Citrix. I'm trying to think. There's like a whole bunch of stuff got bought by private equity this year. And you're probably right. Probably sets up for next year as well. And then, then kind of, yeah. I mean, as you're saying, that's the thing is, is usually when a PE firm like makes a big buy, I mean, chances are in their PowerPoints and spreadsheets, there's 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 like a whole lot more little buys that they have, right? To kind True. of to kind of shore things up, and yeah, you know, it'll be fun to check in to see how uh, Matt Ray's friends at Progress are doing. How's that panning out? Like, <laughs> That's right. like I, I think there's a few like first and second generation kind of like DevOpsy cloud startups that were folded into other organizations, and you know, it'll be like maybe three to five years after that happened, that'll be fun to kind of check in and see, see how they're doing, how, how those strategies worked out. So, uh, you know, there'll be M&A stuff that'll be interesting. All right, Matt, what about you? What's, uh, you watching any, any comments on these things or something you're watching? Uh, so, so my comment on Wasm is, uh, I'm excited about Wasm, but I think it is a subset of serverless. Uh, so what oh, no. you think about, Oh no! Whatever oh, you no. think about serverless in the fullness is, of time, uh, it all becomes serverless. Is, well, no, 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 no. I, I mean, as a as a destination for workloads, I think you know you go like your you know bare metal to mm. your VMs to your containers to uh, to you know serverless, and Wasm kind of you know injects itself between containers and serverless as another step. So I'm excited about it, but I I don't. I don't actually expect a huge breakout. I expect it to be like, you know, just another compelling place to run stuff. And some folks will take advantage of it. And I think there is definitely a lot of good use cases there. Um, But I don't expect it to explode beyond any of its precursors. You know, and and, and then I think we we should state the obvious thing. You you got these crazy AI things that I like. Oh, yeah. That's... that's I think I think once you get to the point where individuals and companies can load like whatever they want into the system to train it or whatever, like then that'll be like I don't even know what'll happen then. That'll be so crazy. That's a good one. Like I'd say that whole I guess it's all referred to as generative AI, right? It's the uh the yeah. chat GPT and then the uh the was it the Dolly yeah, image, and like, so, like I, yeah. I, I use Midjourney a lot. Like nowadays, it's just like a, I, I find myself late at night not going to sleep, just using it. I'm like, what, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like, but, but I, I think, I think you know, <clears throat> I, uh, like, I think everyone, including myself, has kind of like figured out the max you can do with it at the moment, right? And that's fun. So you can still do some useful things, but until I'm repeating myself, but until you can like 
feed it information, like huge chunks of information, you can't really do more with it, right? And, yeah. and like even there's even limitations of just like, I want to feed it 20 pages of text and have it like rewrite it. Like, I don't know if you can, I think if you were a programmer, you could do it because they have yeah. APIs. But well, I think anyways. you're hitting on the thing that's most interesting about it is like, I'm really interested to see sort of as like everyone runs through kind of the immediate use cases, right? The adoption of like, first you use it, then you play with it, then you learn the prompts. But like, it's sort of like once everyone sort of consumes that and knows about it, it's like the next thing of people just trying lots of stuff because you've got to think like, Thousands of people are going to be trying it. You know, hundreds of companies will be started and out of it will probably pop something that none of us have thought about. Right. It's like, it's like, yeah. what's the new thing that you could do with it that it now exposes that just wasn't possible before. And that'll be, you know, that'll be the exciting part because I'm already tired of the conversation about like, it's ruining education. There won't be a, no kids will do English. Like, like that stuff just works itself out. Like, I just feel like it's just sort of like, we just have to get through that layer to then get to the next thing. And hopefully the next thing's really great, whatever it is. But, but as we know, it can go either way. <laughs> sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Uh, I don't know, Matt, yeah, thoughts? Yeah. Uh, like, Matt like you always I, have an opinion on, uh, you, you know, rain on the parade, Matt, like, tell us why the world is ending. <laughs> uh, go ahead. I'll so, give you the final so, word on this. Go ahead. Well, so I, I, uh, I threw some stuff into chat GPT to help me write a blog post uh -huh. and, um, it gave me a good skeleton, but once I got into the details, things were really wrong. Yeah. And so that's. What it's, it's, it's good for removing the tedium, right? I knew, I knew the outline I, in my head and it, it, it wrote my outline, um, which, you know, is that that's great. Now I could start editing, but the details were really, really wrong. And so that's, that's my takeaway is like, it's, it's going to remove the tedium, but, um, there's still a lot of room for, um, people who actually know what the hell they're talking about. And, yeah. uh, that's that's all there is to it, and and for a lot of domains, you don't have to know what the hell you're talking about, and you can get by <laughs> with like, true. you know, letting letting the bot do ninety nine percent of the work. Yeah, if only there was one like it's like podcasting, basically. That's what it is. So <laughs> yeah. it's like and, uh, and, and, it's, it's, it's just trying to be a podcaster. It's that's all it's also why you need to be able to feed it information. Like if you could feed it, like you know. All the uh, IDC, Gartner, and Forrester PDFs and uh, Excel spreadsheets you have, you could probably get some pretty like. I mean, just by summarizing what was written in there and then and then also doing things like, you know, instead of having to figure out how to do pivot tables by having it kind of do stuff for you, like that would be great. That that would uh, that would solve things like and to your point, I, I ask it to write um, uh, predictions uh, for a CIO in 1973. And it very confidently predicted that cloud was an important investment area. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. If only we had started then. Okay, well, that's good. Those are good things. All right, a couple more topics and we'll wrap it up. Uh, I just threw this in here because I just wanted a reason to talk about this. So the biggest missed opportunities of uh, this year, I just, I just want to complain one more time about Zoom. I've never, I just feel like they wasted. <laughs> they had this massive market cap. There were so many things they could have done, uh, many of which I suggested, uh, but they still could have done something and they did nothing. Even the, the uh, company they tried to buy, they weren't allowed to buy them. So I just like, what a waste. You, had, you, could, have, you could have done something and you did nothing. So that's my biggest missed opportunity in uh, 2022. Uh, Coach Ed, do you have a missed opportunity you want to talk about? Well, to combine together several things, I, I, think, I think, you know, it's clear now that uh i don't know maybe midsummer or so like like facebook had a big missed opportunity to basically just like clone twitter 
and be like, hey, we have all of that here, right? And, <laughs> we can you know, they, they could have learned from, uh, from Substack that you can actually just pay journalists and interesting people to come write and fill content in your platform. I mean, I know that's a shocking idea for social media companies. Well, I think they did that, though, and shut it down. They've already done. They've already run th- ran through that. They, they were busy working on legs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying they could have they could have spent some effort, like yeah. instead of on the on the other stuff too, because clearly I, there was a hole there for people to. Yeah, uh, I to I mean toward. I saw a couple of folks mention Facebook when the Twitter stuff started, and they people mostly just get kind of laughed out. I I think I think that ship has sailed. Well, it, and and like you know, just what one one more digging in on this. Like for example, Instagram is fine, and like you know, it is a Facebook thing, so they can make a whole other parallel universe to kind of launder out the oh, Facebook yeah. stuff. Yeah. But, anyways, the point being that like it does seem like that would just be better effort spent than you know. Lays. They should have done something. I think you're right. Like whether it's Instagram, like yeah, working on the metaverse during this seemed like a missed opportunity. I like that. That's a good. Uh, did you have another one? Was that the, was another one you were going to say, Kote? No, I, I, I agree. I, I mean, I agree with you on the Zoom thing. It seems like uh, that's 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 some opportunity to capitalize on stuff. And I guess I guess it's only late breaking news, but it, it seems like I don't know. Is is like our Salesforce and Slack doing things? Is that is that worth? Yeah, I don't out? know. That's an interesting. I think we'll have to like watch that this next year. But there's clearly something going on there with all the management changes and Slack's sort of like it sounds like Benioff didn't it want just, it. Another or is it just style. you know the the golden handcuffs you know have come? It seems off like it's more though. When you read through it, yeah. it's like interesting. I know. Hey, stay tuned. This is the reason everyone should listen to Software Defined so Talk exciting. in 2023. We'll cover this when we actually know what's going on. Uh, Matt, did you have any uh, any missed opportunities? No, I, I, I totally agree with with uh, with Zoombox. All right. Well, let's uh, let's end on a positive note because like we we work in the world of uh, digital transformations, and I, I just I want to single out the ones that I saw. I always like the ones that are just sort of like, I don't know, they're, they're not the, the Netflix Uber examples. They're like, quote unquote, regular companies doing regular things. So I guess the SAT, that's going to go online in 2024. So I'm like, that seems pretty great. You know, kids don't have to have a number two pencil, be you know, shepherded into a uh, specific school to take it on a specific day. Now everyone can uh, enjoy the joys of the SAT. You don't, you don't take uh, it from home though. I know, but still, <laughs> at least they can yeah. take it online and there isn't all this uh, crazy. So I thought right. that was a good one. Uh, I don't know if it's over, but I just want to say, uh, I don't know what his official title is. It's like, he's like a, uh, it's somewhere in Japan. I'm just gonna call him the the CIO of Japan when he's like his war on floppy disk. I'm like, you're you're. We need more of you out there. We need people just getting it done. You know. But but, and, but conversely, I really enjoyed the story about the the company that's still making floppy disks for everybody. That's true. That was a good story. That that person. And kudos to them for hanging in there. But yeah. like, hey, good luck, good luck, Mr. CIO in Japan. Get that war on floppy disk. And, and, and the then, thing is, if you if you got those two folks together, they probably have a great old time. That's true. Oh, yeah. That's probably true. And then finally, I'll say, and then I'll say, looking forward, the digital transformation in 2023 that I'm uh, most looking forward to is uh, uh, theoretically we'll be able to have instant uh, transfers, I guess, via the new ACH system uh, here in the United States, which I realize for all of our international listeners is, uh, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years behind what you have. Yeah. But we don't have it. And if we ever did get it, it will be great. So that's uh, that's a forward-looking one. I hope it actually happens. And Kote, it looks like you, you've got one that you want to talk about. Well, well. I, I don't. I don't know. This, I don't think this was released this year. But however, I think it is representative of a successful digital transformation story in that it just keeps working. And that is, 
I had to renew my global entry uh, thing. And uh, you go to the DHS site and like, you know, it's not the most attractive site, uh, but you just fill it out and then it works. And that's there you it. Go. Like you, you can, you can well get done. this like vital part of, um, of identification for an American that allows you to enter the country as long as you pass the fruit inspectors uh, <laughs> afterwards, uh, but allows you to enter the country and you just basically fill out a web form. And, and that's it. Un- unlike, I won't name names of other departments. Unlike other departments, which are a little more intense, <laughs> State to, uh, to to passports, <laughs> citizenship. Maybe you know, I, I'm not sure. Who Something knows? Like you that. don't know. Who could say? Yeah. Who could say? Well, I, I'll just tag on that one. I do think I've mentioned on the show this year. It's like uh, now, while not technically digital transformation, I guess, or maybe it is. I, I just thought the whole idea of. Uh, uh, interviews on demand. So I know both Kote uh, and Matt, you're both flying here in the United States. So if for some reason you kind of try it, I'll if you're looking for uh, yeah. to renew your global entry, just as you go through the Austin, wherever you, uh, if you will, come into the United States, just ask them if they have the uh, on demand interviews. It's just fantastic. It was great. Yeah, they have them. So, I'm, I'm signing up uh, my kids for when we fly through LA. All right. Well, good. Good luck. I, ho- I hope it happens. We'll so. see if it happens. We got about two and a half hours between flights. So oh, you're, that's easy. That'll be nothing. That'll be a great time. All right. Well, then finally, I guess we'll just wrap it up here. It's been another, I'll, I'll just thank all the listeners like we do every year. We should do it every episode, but uh, it's been a good year here at Software Defined Talk. We've had a bunch of listeners. We uh, actually got out in the world again. Matt Ray officially attended um, the Detroit uh, <laughs> I, CubeCon. I, I went as, and got uh, COVID. Yeah, and, and and again, you know, you would think with that much effort and travel, he would have gotten an acceptable uh, performance review, but it didn't happen. So hopefully, you know, it just shows that hopefully <laughs> Matt needs to work harder next year. You know, so uh, oh man, Richard, uh, ride me hard. <laughs> no, I like it, but uh, but it's been fun. Of course, it's been a lot of fun to uh, interact. And I, you know, again, I, the Slack. Maybe that's what I should have said. It's like, hey, the software defined talk Slack is just every year it gets better. It's more and more fun for me. Lots of channels in there. Uh, the sports channel, I love it on the weekends. You know, I feel like if there's ever a college football cloudcast uh, um, podcast needed, like I have a team of people ready to go. Like I know exactly who to call if we, if we want to do that. So I've enjoyed uh, all the listeners. I don't know. Kote, you have any comments before we wrap up here with conferences? No, I, I think I think I think uh, I agree. We uh, it's it's always I go into the Slack thing every day to, to see what people are up to. That's fun. I was thinking. You know, I don't. We didn't elect a lot of questions, but maybe we should uh, we should open up more regularly to uh, questions and res- the mailbag responses to our, our our stuff here. We never get that kind of feedback, and it's just you know it's easy uh, easy content to make. Yeah, that, yeah. That, well, that I don't. I think we fun. don't have a group. I think other people have more people that are more willing to write in questions. So we'll have to see. I don't know. I don't know. And I wish we had more people that want to, or maybe people think we don't read them, or maybe people don't have questions. But we'll figure it out. We'll I mean, take I'm that sure, as uh, I, an action sure, item. I'm sure I've said things over the years, probably even last week, where I'm like, I don't want to hear what anyone's thoughts are. <laughs> and, and so, like, that's, that might be a little off-putting. That's true. All right, Kote, if uh, people want to see, I don't know, maybe you in person or other people in, uh, in person, uh, what conferences should they go to? Well, there's uh, next month now, there's that conference uh, in Round Rock, January 15th and 18th. You can get 5% off with the code SDT. I think uh, it's that the the big uh, uh, fried calamari uh, water park over there, uh, which which you can enjoy here. It's lovely. Brandon was there. It looked nice. Lots of uh, ferns. Good lighting. Uh, I enjoyed that. Also, uh, coming up after that, I believe it's maybe January twenty third or twenty fifth or something. You can go find the dates somewhere in that week. We're having our conference Spring One. Uh, it's going to be online, so it's free to attend, so I don't have a discount code. You can go to springone.io, and I've been looking through some of the uh, the presentations 
even some uh, some uh, recordings here and there. It's going to be great. Now, here's the number one reason why you should attend. Well, in my opinion, is uh, I, I was helping out with the MCs, and it looks like uh, a, a joke of mine uh, involving a leftover kale salad deploying code has made it into the final cut. Uh, so, so if you go to springone.io, uh, you can just watch the uh, at least the, the the keynotes that we have and see what the uh, what a what a leftover kale salad uh, can do for you. So you should check that out. Now, also there's the uh, <clears throat> state of OpenCon uh, in London, February seventh to eighth. You've got the Cloud Native Security Conference, Seattle uh, in Seattle, February first and second, <clears throat> and then in Alabama, DevOps Days, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, Roll Tide. And I, I, did, I did see, I got accepted to talk, uh, to talk at a conference in, uh, I don't know how to say it, Zadar, Croatia in September. So Whoa, maybe we should get cool. that one wow. off there. That's yeah. a good one. That's, uh, I like it. I have to get the international approval for that travel. I love it. Yep. It's all yep. international for Cote. All right. Well, listen, I also uh, got uh, a couple questions. So thanks for those that sent it in. Also want to thank uh, Leslie. Uh, they wrote in and I sent them a sticker. They're in Colorado. If you would like a sticker, we've renewed the uh, the budget for next year. So looks like we can send as many stickers as we want. So if you want a sticker, this is what you have to do. Send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Well, uh, Speaking of stickers, Brandon, do you have any recommendations that you think should stick around? You know, I've uh, kind of got sucked into this Echo 3 show on Apple TV. So it's Apple TV Plus. And so it's kind of starts as like your fairly traditional international thriller. And uh, I guess I'm only four episodes in. So I haven't seen the final uh, final couple episodes, but I like it. It's sort of like it's a familiar story, which I like. I'm always in for like some international thriller uh but then they're doing some things that i think are a little bit different so hopefully it ends strong so i'm gonna be watching that and if you're looking for something to watch on, over the holidays probably check it out i think it'll finish here in a couple of weeks so you can just binge it and then uh i know i recommended this already but uh i just say if you were on the fence about white lotus i actually thought it was great it's all done now so we can go on hbo and stream the whole thing i thought the ending was really good i thought the whole show was really good so if you're looking for something to watch over the holidays and you've not started white lotus watch that one as well i'm mm. watching oh. season one now so solid well how about Perfect. yourself matt ray um so so you know since this is the uh the year end looking forward uh my pick for the year is uh I went and signed up for the Triple Trail Challenge, uh, which is a, <clears throat> a series of half and full ultra uh, trail marathons. And uh, I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, you know that's what I'm doing in 2023: is <laughs> running around in the woods a lot. I, I think pretty much everyone that I know who signs up for like uh, outdoor activities, marathon stuff, the first phrase yeah. out of their mouth is, "I don't know what I was thinking." They should just they're, they're, that should be that should be like a new Nike slogan for you know people is the, you just know. do it because you don't know any better <laughs> yeah just I don't you know it, yeah that would be a fun cinematic Nike ad and the punchline is I don't know what I was thinking uh, well yeah I mean I, I I ran a half marathon this year and I was like this isn't so bad and then now I'm looking at I'm like there's a big difference between you know 21 kilometers and 44 on a trail. Oh, so we're measure. talking like two hours versus six hours. Yeah, yeah. Huh, I thought I, you know, uh, when you started to say the trail challenge, I thought it was going to be like you know making and and tasting trail mix, but unfortunately, <laughs> no. that I could handle. Yeah, that would be good. 
Well, my recommendation in the new uh, version of, I don't know, iOS and Mac OS and, and iPad OS, there's this app called Freeform, which if you've heard about it, you, can, you probably were thinking, I wonder if Kote is going to try that out. Because what it is, is basically like, it's kind of like the infinite Miro board sort of situation. And you can draw on it with your Apple Pencil. You can put sticky notes on it. And you can put these text, box on, text boxes on it. And there's also some shapes. There's a pretty extensive library of shapes that you can put in there, including like people and stuff. And, uh, you know, it synchronizes between all your stuff. It, it seems okay. It's, it's still not like this dream that I'm looking for, for a note-taking thing. <clears throat> Primarily because the, uh, the text system is not very good. But I don't know. It's kind of worth looking at. It's, it's like a very typical like Apple 1.0 product, which is sort of like, oh, if you just would have worked on this for three more hours, it would be perfect. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> well, we'll see. one dot one, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like, I think all they really need to do, the, the other situation with it is like, you got to think, whoever's on the notes team, if they actually staff it, is kind of like, those fuckers over there. Like, <laughs> like it's because it's, it's kind of pretty much the same thing. And Freeform should just more be a feature of notes. But I'm sure, you know, in the lunchroom, there must be lots of fights about this, Ooh. but it's it's uh it's, but it's it's fun. It's good to look at. Now the thing that I want to test it out more of is like if you do stuff on the iPad, how does it translate to working on your desktop? Then like is that a good flow uh, between things? And speaking of flows between things, I think we've flown to the end of this episode. With that we'll see everyone next time. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a wraparound headache. I feel like this is the start of like a bad movie. I see. So wait, are you saying that it's the same character and Malcolm in the Middle and Breaking Bad? Yeah, but I'm out there in my jocks. And so instead of, of wine at the moment, I'm chugging a bottle of Pellegrino. You show up five minutes late for a podcast and you're on review for the whole next year. That's right. Software-defined talk is going hardcore. <laughs>